You're listening to an audio message from Palm Vista Community Church. If you would like to check out more resources, please visit palmvista.org. Well, welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the book of Isaiah. We've entitled the series, Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. Living in the Shadow of Our Great King. And this morning's message is entitled, The Shepherd King. The Shepherd King. So please turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 31. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 31. And let me see if I can set up the, the context here for you. So we're in 586 BC, 586 BC. Remember that Isaiah wrote, probably wrote this, this book, this prophecy in about the 700s BC, but he's a prophet. So in chapter 40, he is writing to Judah, you'll hear him called Jacob and Israel, who are experiencing exile in 586 BC and following. He is writing to God's people who have been evicted from the promised land by God. Their city has been destroyed. The temple has been destroyed. And they're living in a dusty, dry, desert, foreign land, listening to a foreign language that they cannot understand. They are in exile by God's hand. Have you ever seen pictures of Iraq? Dusty Iraq? That's, that's about where they're at in Babylon. And as we hear this chapter, which is one of the most encouraging chapters in the Bible, I'm well aware that each one of us can feel like we're in exile sometimes by God's very hand. And I'm even more aware that uniquely in this church, many of you have firsthand experience of what it is to be in exile. I don't. My family does. I was born here. But if you're a Cuban-American, some of you may have been born in Cuba and are in this country, however much you love it, not because you wanted to be here, but because you were fleeing somebody or something. All right, so, so you got it in your head? You're in a foreign land, speaking a foreign language. You've lost everything that was yours. But here's the kicker on this one. God sent you there. You weren't just fleeing an evil government. God himself has sent you to that foreign land. So it's 586 B.C., And what is the question that's on the mind of God's people as they're in Babylon? Well, the question is in verse 27. It's the driving question for our text this morning on the screen. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 27. Here it is. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Israel knows that they're in Babylon. They're in exile because of their sin. They get that. But the question is, God, now that I'm here by your purifying judgment, have you forgotten me? And that's the question that Isaiah answers in chapter 40 by God's grace. Now, Are any of you this morning wondering, has God forgotten me? I feel somewhat in a foreign land 
with foreign languages around me, a dusty desert. And, and some of us, and this is me now, I would say, you know, God, you're right to do that. I'm well aware of my sin, but I'm still asking God, have you forgotten me, God? Have you forgotten me? That, that is the question. See, the question here in this text is, will the shepherd king, because that's how he is designated here from chapter 40 all the way through to chapter 56, the shepherd king, this suffering servant king, will the shepherd king forget his sheep? Will he forget you? Has he forgotten you? Well, hear God's answer. Please turn to the text. This is a beautiful text. Grab your Bibles. Turn to Isaiah 40 and read along silently with me as I read this chapter. Remember, it's written to a people in exile whose city has been destroyed. They're out of the promised land and they're asking, God, have you forgotten me? Here's God's answer. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that your warfare has ended that your iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall be made level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice cries. And I said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades. But the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice in strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with the span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon will not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. Verse 18. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness compares with him? An idol? 
A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall Exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. Amen. God assures his weary and worried people that he is their shepherd king who will save them and strengthen them. God is their shepherd king, and he will save and strengthen his sinful and weary people. That is the main point of this text on the screen. The shepherd king saves and strengthens his sinful and weary people. The shepherd king saves and strengthens his sinful and his weary people. Friends, Jesus Christ is that shepherd king who saves and strengthens his sinful and weary people through his life, death, resurrection, ascension, through pouring out his spirit upon us on the day of Pentecost. God assures us today, church, that he has not forgotten us, but that he saves and strengthens us, those who wait upon the Lord. Point one, the shepherd king saves his sinful people. Look at verses one and two again with me, please. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Our shepherd King Jesus came to pardon our sins. And that pardon was accomplished at the cross by the Lamb of God. This is the gospel that the early church preached. This is the gospel that tells us that the shepherd 
came to become a lamb to save the lambs who had rebelled against him. The shepherd gives his life for the lamb by becoming the lamb of God. How can you say that, Al? Because this very text is the text that John the Baptist spoke of himself in John chapter 1, verse 23 on the screen. John 1, 23. And he said, John the Baptist, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. John the Baptist is preaching the gospel that God revealed in Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 2. And what did John the Baptist say of this shepherd king? Who would he be? Look at verse 29, John 1, 29. The next day, he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now listen, as difficult as it was for Judah to imagine in 586 BC why God would purify them through judgment by evicting them from the land and putting them under the harsh bondage of their Babylonian captors. As difficult as that was to understand That pales in comparison to understand that God, our shepherd king, would come and become a lamb, the lamb of God. He would become one of us. He would be fully man and fully God to give his life for us, to save us. Can the shepherd forget the very lambs that he died for? That's the question for us, for you. But it can feel like he's forgotten us. In verses 6 through 8, it says that though the grass wither, the word of God stands forever. And it's very clear that the people of God are the grass. And the withering is the breath of God that is blowing over them, this purifying judgment. It's real suffering, in real bondage, in real exile. And Jerusalem is really destroyed. And the temple is really gone. God, have you forgotten us? But God says, no, because my word stands forever. Though the grass withers at the end of verse 7 and the flower fades, the word of our God will stand forever. What is God's word? I will save you. And from you, Israel, will come a savior, Jesus Christ. And God always fulfills his Word, no matter how difficult things are, church, God is working to faithfully fulfill His word, not our word, His word, His gospel promise to His people in Christ, our Savior King. Listen, our Savior King is also a warrior King. If you look at verses 10 and 11, it says this Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Verse 11. And I pray, verse 11, speak to your wounded hearts, church. I pray it speak to those of you who feel like you're in a desert in whatever area of your life, your career, your education, your marriage, your business, your ministry, whatever. Listen to these words. He will tend his flock, verse 11, like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Friends, our shepherd king is a warrior king and he rules the nations with might and he tends his flock with mercy. 
My prayer is that this morning you would hear from the Spirit of God and receive Jesus' tender care. He has saved you, Christian. Your shepherd king has saved you. And may you know his tender care. Think of a shepherd holding a little lamb in his arms. Think of a a mother, like many mothers here, holding their little babies in their arms. You love your baby so very much. God loves you far more than that. Point two. The shepherd king not only saves his sinful people, but he strengthens his weary people. And now beginning in verse 12, and really the emphasis of the rest of this chapter is God's strengthening, God's ability to strengthen his weary people. Now we know Israel was weary. When you're a slave in a dusty desert land, you are weary. Are you weary this morning? then look to your savior, your your shepherd king, your creator. And I just want to say this. I was praying about this because because these last verses from 12 to 31, really the the punchline is our shepherd king is able to strengthen us because he's our creator. There's no one like him. But he strengthens the ones that wait upon the Lord. We're all familiar with that, right? We've heard that song sung so many times. Those who wait upon the Lord, though youths are weary, you know, though the young men faint, those who wait upon the Lord, right? You've heard that? One of my favorite movies is, uh, um, remember the Titans? And, uh, you know, in the locker room, they're singing that song, one of the African-American players, and he sings it soulfully. I mean, it's, it's a song that people have sung down through the centuries who are suffering. Those who wait upon the Lord, Right? But what does it mean to wait on the Lord? And and why why are they weary? And I think in verses 12 to 31, there's some practical wisdom. And here's what I want to present to you. That we are often weary for three major reasons that are addressed in these verses. And put that on the screen there. The next slide, Stephen. I think that we get weary when we try to inform God how he should run the universe. I think we get weary when we fear the nations. You're going to see that in the text here. Whatever whatever powers, maybe political parties, what's going to happen in the future, maybe some crazy dictator on the other side of the world. In their time, the gods of the time. Listen, some of you may be weary because you come out of Santeria. Uh, Kevin talked about it. I was just in Cuba. Uh, You know, some of you, we come from that world. You may be weary because you fear a power, the spiritual, political, maybe, I don't know, something created by man that you think, I I can't, this is going to overcome me. I'm worried if this person gets elected. I'm worried about this crazy person with his finger on a button that could launch a nuclear missile. And finally, and this is the main one here, we get weary when we forget the creator. See, the argument, Isaiah's argument, God's argument to his people that he will strengthen them arises from the point that he is creator. He is creator. So leave those up there, Stephen, and let's walk through these slowly, okay? Why are you weary? Are you weary because you're trying to inform God as to how he should run his universe? Look at verse 13. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? 
Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? See, see what God is saying here, this is what he said to Job. When Job was saying, we all do this, don't we? Listen, God, can I talk to you for a moment? I am a Jew. You promised that through us, you would bless the nations. It is 586 BC. We are no longer in Jerusalem. In fact, that dust cloud over there is Jerusalem destroyed. How are you going to do this? We do it in our lives. Lord, don't you know what you've called us to? God, don't you know that we're here to bring you glory? Like God, who's going to tell God how to bring God glory to God? Better than God. Me. You. Because we get an attitude. I mean, okay, you don't get an attitude. I get an attitude. And it wearies us. You were not built to run the universe. I was talking to somebody recently, and they just had one of those grump faces on. I mean, it was a serious grump face. Grump is what I'm saying, grump. And, and they were just so humble. I, and, they, and I said, look, you got to tell me, what's the grump about? And they just started listing seven things that weren't going right. And they were worried about this one and that one. And I can't believe this is happening. And what about that? And then they stopped and they just started laughing because I do believe they were humble. And they said, I'm trying to rule the universe, aren't I? I said, yes, you are. It will wear you out to play God. And you will wear everybody out around you. You will have grump face times 50. Because you're just not getting your way. Stop it. Are you going to tell God how to run your life? Or maybe he's not running your life. You know, maybe something's out of control. You've got to remind God, right? Like, you know, the mom that reminds the, the kids to make their bed and everything. God somehow forgot you. He stashed you away in Babylon. He didn't. He didn't. Because he's your creator. He's your creator. All right, second one is the fear piece. Let, stay with me here. I'm going to read a couple of select passages of why Israel was weary. Now, as I read these passages, remember, where is Israel at this time? They're under the boot of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, one of the kings there. These are, this is like the most powerful country in the world. They are prisoners. They are slaves. They are mocked. By the rivers of Babylon, we played our, 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 our strummed our harps and sang. We wept, sang songs of remembering the, the promised land. They are beaten. They are broken. They are nothing. They are slaves. And the Babylonian gods are all around them. These awful, terrible masks and gods. And they're violent. And, and they're looking around and they're afraid. God, have you forgotten us? This is horrible. Listen to what God says to them. Verse 15. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. Actually, this passage is the passage in chariots of fire. When he's preaching, there's a time he's preaching in the rain, and he's quoting from this passage. Uh, Forgot his name now, whatever his name is. Chariots of fire, the guy that runs. Okay. Thank you, Eric Little. And he's preaching from this passage. Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. And he goes on to say these nations are nothing all the way through verse 20. And he says to them, I control the nations. Drop down to verse 23. 
He brings the princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted. Scarcely are they elected. Scarcely are they sown. Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth. Scarcely do they declare that theirs will be the Reich for a thousand years when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. Then skip down to verses uh, 26, excuse me, verse 25. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like them, says the Holy One. Listen, I'm speaking to you. Stop comparing God to whatever it is you fear right now. You understand that's the deal with fear, right? Fear grabs your heart and it makes that thing you're thinking of that you're afraid of. Failure, shame, physical harm, financial destruction. Maybe your marriage not making it. Whatever it is you fear right now, it makes that thing like this big and it's like right here on your face and it's, it's the biggest thing you can see. And God's saying, stop comparing me to that. I am God. There is none other. When he says the Holy One, please think of holy as that aspect of God's transcendence first. It is purity. It says transcend. I am bigger than Nebuchadnezzar, Israel, in bondage in Babylon. I am bigger than Caesar, first century church, in bondage in Rome. I am bigger than any political party that gets elected or doesn't get elected. They're here today. They're gone tomorrow if you look at eternity. And I don't understand this. Because I just came from Cuba where I did a lot of crying and weeping. But God put him there for 60 years. And I'm wanting to tell God how to run his universe. Oh, big time. And I'm not going to fear what I see here. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And And the third reason, the third one here, why we get so weary, is we forget that he's our creator. We forget God as creator. And by the way, there is a big war on in our culture to make everybody say, to make anybody that believes in a creator seem like an idiot because they want to destroy this, this, this truth that there is a creator. Of course they do. It discourages us. If we're Christians, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause us to, to be weary But he is the creator. And this is the driving impulse throughout these verses. Back to 12 to to 13. Look at 12 to 13. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with the span and closed the dust of the earth in a measuring cup or in a measure and weighed the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance? Question mark. Who? God. God has all the oceans. This is metaphorical, just by way of comparison. God has all the oceans in the cup of his hand. God can measure the entire cosmos, millions and billions of miles with the span of his hand. All the dust on the earth, God gathers into a little cup. He takes all the mountains and puts them on a scale. He's creator. (laughs) He's creator. Jump over to verse 21. He's speaking to Israel, but he's speaking to us. Do you not know? Don't you know the doctrine of creation? Ex nilo, out of nothing, God created everything. 
Do you not hear? Don't you discern it? So no is have the knowledge. Hear is discerning what that means. It's implications for our lives. Has it not been told you from the beginning? Verse 21. Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits on the circle of the earth and we are but grasshoppers. Oh, grasshopper. Okay. (laughs) You are a grasshopper. We're less than a grasshopper. And he sits on the circle of the earth. He stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. And then skip down to verse 28. Oh, this is is the one that causes us all to really take off. Have you not known? Known what? He's creator. Have you not heard or understood or discerned? Discern what? He's a creator. The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary, and his understanding is unsearchable. Punto. Period. It. No one needs to inform him. He knows how to do it. He knows how to save us. And by the way, this is the one who did save us. I don't You want to talk about not understanding something. Why would this God of all the universe who sits on the circle of the earth, whose hand can span the whole cosmos, who can hold all the oceans in his hand, who can weigh all the mountains in a little scale, why would he come and die on a cross for us? I hit my knees and I say, thank you, Jesus. I fear you. Not the nations, not the gods, not Santeria, not whatever political party, not whatever's going to happen, not Wall Street, not the stock market, not your investments, whatever it is. I fear you. You're bigger than them. You put them in place. I may not understand why you allowed that, but you did, and you're good, and I trust you. And I don't forget that you're creator. So how do you wait on the Lord? You stop informing him. You stop telling him what he needs to do, and you rest in him. Oh, write that down. (laughs) You stop informing him and telling him what to do, and you rest in him. You stop fearing the nations, and you trust in him. You stop fearing whatever it is you're fearing, and you trust in him. And you stop forgetting. No, that's a weird way to say it. (laughs) Don't forget. Don't forget that he's the creator. But remember that he's your creator. And your recreator. Because he gave you a new heart in Christ. So, verse 26. I'm going to bring this home here. What do we do? We lift up our eyes. I'm reading from verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high. And see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. He's talking about the stars. But he's also saying, our creator God will never forget us. On the screen, I believe there's a quote. The creator God, this is from Motyer in one of his commentaries. The the creator God knows by name every item in his complex creation. He's named every star. How can he who is the God of Israel, be accused of forgetting his people. Are you overcome by the circumstances of life? You know, in verse 30, where it says, the young men shall be weary. See that there? Even youths, youths 
shall faint and be weary and young men shall, be, shall fall exhausted. Youths and young men simply represent people at the height of their strengths, at their height of their strength. Even those, the strongest, will one day be weary and exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. That, that weariness is just being overcome by the circumstances of life. Are you overcome by the circumstances of life? Receive God's strength. This is God's strength. It is a different strength. It is a strength that is not of man. This is the Holy One's strength, the transcendent one's strength. This is the strength of the one who never gets weary, who never faints. This strength never stops. My battery will run out. It may be running out on my laptop right now because I forgot to bring the plug in. Thank you, Stephen. You're running all these slides. If they go away, you know that battery runs out of strength. I run out of strength. I do not have the strength I had 10 years ago, 22 years ago, when I first planted this church and I had, my hair was all jet black. Uh, my strength's not what it was. But God's strength doesn't ever fail. That's the strength he gives us. Fresh strength, different strength, divine strength. Our shepherd king has not forgotten us. Our shepherd king is not too big to care for us. He's not this mighty God who rules over all the cosmos. And so how can he know about Alpino? He can. And my little problems... And yours, he has saved us and he strengthens us in Christ. Now, here's the, here's the scripture I fear, feel from God for all of you. This was not originally in my manuscript, but I feel this from the Lord. Um, I think he wants to share this word with some of you directly. It comes from Matthew 11. I, I think... That Jesus, you can put it up please, Stephen. I think Jesus was thinking of this text here in Isaiah 40 when he said these words. Because I think Jesus knows that he's the one that's going to make the way in the desert. You know what that means, don't you? A way from Babylon back to Israel. A way of salvation. A way to come back into the land. I'm going to rebuild the temple. I'm going to rebuild Jerusalem. The, the Savior is going to come. Jesus is the one who makes that way back. He's going to give strength to his weary people. And it's fulfilled in Christ. And I want you to hear it, Christian. I think some of you need to memorize this, this, this text this week. And let God restore your weary souls. Matthew 11, verses 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He takes the burden of our sin and the yoke of slavery off of us saving us and strengthening us to go out and declare and demonstrate the gospel truths that we've heard this morning. He has overcome the world, church, and in him we live as overcomers in his strength. Let us pray. Father, I pray for your grace this morning. I pray that your mercies would be just showered on us. Lord, we're tired. Lord, we're weary of telling you how to run your universe. 
we're weary of, of complaining to you that we don't like the way our life's going. Would you please forgive us? Are we really going to counsel you? Are we really going to tell you how to run this thing? We can't run our own lives. <laughs> Lord, forgive us. Lord, we're weary of fearing. Fear of all sorts of things. Lord, may we fear you and you alone. May we trust you, Lord. Rather than fearing, may we trust you who are strong and mighty. And Lord, we're so sorry that we've forgotten that you're our creator. It's as if somehow all of this came to be apart from you. Lord, forgive us for forgetting how magnificent you are. You rule it all. We believe, Lord. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Everything we see has been made out of the unseen word, your word. So, Lord, may we remember this and may it strengthen us. Oh, Father. I just want to pause for a second and just read this scripture again. Just, just hear it. Let this sink into your soul. Hear this coming from Christ. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Do you labor? Are you heavy laden? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. May God give you rest, church. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. May God give you rest from your striving. May you rest in him. May you trust him. And may you remember that he is your creator who died for you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to find out more resources or see how you can donate to this ministry, simply visit palmvista.org. And be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with upcoming teachings.